Father in heaven, thank you because by faith, through your spirit, every single one of us is united right now. Whether those listening on the radio or those watching online and hundreds of different locations, all of us, hundreds of us gathered here today, thank you for your unifying spirit. And I pray, Father, that for the next few moments as your word is taught, that you would visit every person and that you would draw close to every heart and give us understanding today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I think most of us would agree that tests are a painful necessity. They are a way to certify that you've learned what you need to know, but they are very painful. So some years ago, I got a chance to meet a particular Andrews University student. She did really well. She was biology pre-dent, ended up getting accepted into dental school, went her way through dental school. Last semester now of dental school, she graduated, finished on time, but she did not pass the dental board exams. Now, look, last week we talked a little bit about life-altering tests, and believe you me, this would be one of them, wouldn't you agree? You can finish medical school, you can graduate with really good grades from dental school, but if you do not pass the board exams, you're not going to be allowed to practice in this country. So she failed, but you know, it wasn't the end of the world. She's smart, she's confident, so she signed up for the very next one. That was just a few months after that, but she didn't quite make the cut again. Now, let me ask you, how would you feel if you were in her shoes, right? I mean, you can imagine the stress, you can imagine maybe the the pain, maybe the frustration that she must have been going through during that time. See, tests are necessary, but they're oh so painful. By the way, she's signed up for the next one in a few weeks, so we're, we're praying for her. By the way, if you're just joining us today, we're actually in part two of a little two-part mini-series called When God Tests Us where we're exploring one of the most difficult tests to ever come upon a human, and that's the attempted sacrifice of Isaac by his own father, Abraham. And last week, sorry about that, we actually just looked at one verse in Genesis chapter 22. We just looked at the first verse, but it's okay, because today we're going to unpack the rest of it, because last week, though, we needed to set the backstory for what's coming today. And we actually discovered the why and the how regarding why God tests us. And I want to remind you about what we looked at last week, the why and the how on why God tests us. So here's the how. You remember this? God tests you by allowing trials of difficulty or delay. Do you remember that? If you joined us last week. So sometimes God tests us by allowing difficult circumstances or challenges or sometimes a delay in his given promise. That's, that's how he tests us. But what about why he tests us? God tests you to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. 
In other words, God in his wisdom, he allows certain things to come into our lives to prepare our characters so that we can be ready for the calling that he has set out for us. And what I discovered in my study is that there's actually two reasons why God allows these different tests to come into our lives. And that's the first one. He tests us to prepare us so that our character can be ready for our calling. So what we're going to do for the remainder of our time today in this final installation of this little two-part mini-series is we're going to explore the next purpose or the next reason on why God allows these challenging tests or delays to come into our lives. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 and starting in verse 1 and 2. So Genesis chapter 22 Beginning in verse 1, and the Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now I want you to notice how many buttons, if you will, God actually presses in Abraham. In fact, Dr. Arlen Drew notices that there's four levels of, kind of four kinds of buttons, if you will, four levels of intimacy that God seems to be pressing into Abraham. And the first one is the level of family. He says, take your son. Now, look, If you are a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. We all react equally. If someone seems to be threatening your child, how do you act? You just immediately rise up, don't you? Kind of ready to fight, ready to defend, ready to do whatever it takes. If someone threatens to lay a hand on a member of your family, you're going to be ready to fight and act, aren't you? And don't even get me started on, you know, don't even dare talk about my mama You know all about those mama jokes, right? Why is that? Because parents, mothers, siblings, the the family unit is seemingly sacred for us. And we defend it. We're on high alert. So notice this other level of intimacy that he notices. So it goes from just general family. Take your son. Number two, it goes to exclusivity of relationship. He says your only son. Now let me ask you this question. How many sons did Abraham actually have? at this time. He actually had two. Remember Ishmael? Don't forget about him. He was off in the wilderness somewhere else by now, but he refers to him as your only son because this was going to be the child of promise. This is your only son, number three. And all of a sudden, just in case, just so that there's no doubt about who God is referring to, he names him. He says Isaac, which means laughter. Number four, He says, whom you love. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you feel the dramatic tension building in this story? Are you feeling it? Imagine Abraham on high alert, listening to every word that's coming out of God's mouth, almost as if in slow motion, because he knows that the moment that his name has been called, the name that he has not heard from God in 17 years, he knows that now the next phase of his mission is starting. God, you want to talk to me about my son? Okay. My only son? Yeah, I just, just have one, the, the child of promise. 
The one I love, God? Isaac? Yeah. I do love that boy. After all, here's the reason why laughter exists in my home. So God, what, what is that you say? You, you want us to go up to the mountain, a father-son trip, a little camping trip together. You want us to go up together? Hey, let's go, God. I'm in. This sounds good. But then God continues speaking. Verse 2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, in case you're wondering, God was not here suggesting some kind of weekend kumbaya camping experience. No, that's not what a burnt offering actually was. In a burnt offering, an animal was sacrificed and then consumed completely in fire except for the height of the animal. It was something that was done for atonement purposes and was used as an act of worship. The burnt offering is the same kind of offering that was done twice outside in the courtyard in sanctuary services in the morning and in the evening. And it's the same sacrifice that we find described in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So after the flood, after Noah came out of the ark, as a form of worship to God, he, the Bible says, he offered burnt offerings. But let's just be really clear. This is not what's being described in Genesis chapter 22. In other words, Isaac is not an animal. So here's the question. Was God commanding something immoral? Okay, let me tighten the screws a little bit more so you can feel it. Was God commanding Abraham to do something evil? Well, let's see what the Bible says. I want to share with you three Scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 and 12, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Okay. For whoever does these things is a what? Is an abomination to the Lord. Okay, sounds pretty clear. Next, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21. Do not permit any of your children to be offered as a what? As a sacrifice. Check and check. Okay, that sounds pretty clear. We've got one more, although there's many other scriptures like this in the Bible. Psalm 106, verse 37, the Bible says, Then they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. So here the psalmist is describing what life was like for the Israelites. And he goes on to say in verse 40 of the same chapter that this is actually the reason why God allowed the Israelites to go into exile. Why? Because they were doing the same wicked deeds, child sacrifice, as the nations around them. So the question, was God commanding something evil? Unquestionably, yes. Okay, okay, okay. So what was Abraham's response then to this abominable command by God? What what was Abraham, the father of our faith, the father of three different faiths, in fact, 
what was this man that we look up to as an example of faith, what was his response? We don't have to guess. We can read about it in verse 3. Notice what the Bible says, Genesis 22. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Abraham said, okay, I'll do it. But let me ask you this. How should Abraham have responded or to personalize it even more? Let me ask you this. What would you do? You're there in your home and all of a sudden you hear a voice from God, a voice from heaven telling you, I need you to take your son or your daughter or your spouse or a loved one and I need you to kill them. What would you do? Would you say, well, you know, Father Abraham was so faithful and so I am going to likewise be faithful. There's no way I'm going to doubt. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. So would you follow through with it? I mean, I see several of you shaking your heads. And the question is, why are you shaking your heads? And if I were to ask you personally, you would probably say something like this. You would say, well, it's because when I read the Bible... I can tell that God is clearly against child sacrifice. When I read the Bible in its entirety, from cover to cover, the canon of Scripture, I can tell that killing someone like that is completely incompatible with the character of God. In fact, you would probably start pushing Bible verses in front of God and you would say, hopefully, you would say, well, what about this God? You're telling me to do this, but you've already said this. In case anyone has any doubt at all, if you ever hear a voice telling you to kill someone, don't do it. That's not from God. It's from the devil. It's not from God. Okay. So Genesis chapter 18, though I'm saying, if you were to hear this voice, being a a Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christian that has read the book, that has read the record, you'd probably begin arguing with God and say, God, this seems incompatible with your character. And that's exactly what we find Abraham doing in Genesis chapter 18. Remember that story? God unveils to Abraham his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham all of a sudden starts arguing with God. He starts interceding on behalf of the city. He says, well, wait a second. Let's say there's 50 righteous people in that city. Will you destroy the whole city for 50 righteous people? And God says, no. If there's 50 righteous people, I will spare the entire city for the sake of the 50. Abraham feels a little emboldened. He says, okay, what about for 40? And God says, if there's 40, nope. Okay, what about for 30? Nope. For 20? Nope. God look, please just bear with me. If there's 10 righteous people in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare the city? And God says, look, if there's 10 in there, I will spare the entire city for the sake of the 10. I will spare them all. So back to Genesis 22 and this seemingly sinful 
command by God. Let me ask you a few questions. Why didn't Abraham, in this instance though, even though he had it within him to intercede and to argue, if you will, and to dialogue with God, why didn't Abraham in this instance now, in Genesis chapter 22, why didn't he argue with God? Okay, how about this one? Why did Abraham say yes to God's command? Here's another question. How do we explain his willing obedience to the seemingly evil command by God? Here's the explanation. Because Abraham did not fully understand the character of God as exemplified in the scriptures. Let me share this verse with you from John chapter 16. Jesus speaking, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. In the scriptures, we find this principle of progressive revelation. People didn't learn everything all at once. And to his own disciples, he said, look, I would love to reveal to you the entirety of the plan. But the truth is that you simply cannot bear all of it all at once. So I'm just kind of going to unroll things for you just a little bit. And here's what we see in the Bible, and here's what we see in the experience of Abraham. That these Bible characters that we love learned about the will of God much the same way that you and I do. They learned through experience with God and through the revelation of Scripture. Okay, so check this out, though. So here's Abraham. He's from Babylon. And I want you to notice the kind of home that he actually grew up with, according to Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. The Bible says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they did what? They did what? They served other gods. Listen to me. So here's Abraham. It's so easy to judge him by our current filter. Here's Abraham. In his own family unit, in his cultural context, they worshipped other gods. Lowercase g. They worshipped many different deities, some of whom called for for child sacrifice. So here's Abraham. He's listening to this command by God. And I imagine him thinking to himself, well, I thought Yahweh was different. But I guess not. I guess I will have to atone for my sin by killing my son. I guess laughter will be no more in my home. Abraham said yes. But I want you to notice what I learned in this study concerning why God tests us. And I want to review these two points with you briefly. These two reasons why God tests us. The first one is God tests you 
to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. But here's the next one I discovered and we find right here in Genesis 22. God tests you because he longs to reveal to you something new about himself. So Abraham begins the journey. I imagine every step weighed down with the burden of what would eventually be. His mind racing with a myriad of questions, but at least three things were clear to Abraham in that moment. Number one, he knew that somehow, some way, the presence of God was going to meet him on the mountain. Because in verse 2, God said, go to the mountain of which I shall tell you there at Moriah. So he knew that somehow he was going to be meeting with the creator and the giver of life. Somehow he was going to be meeting with God and God was going to be there with him. Number two, the second thing that Abraham knew with certainty is that he was going to kill his son. And the third thing, that he knew. According to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, the Bible says that he reasoned within himself that God could resurrect Isaac. In other words, he's saying, I don't understand why God is calling me to do this. I guess he's like the other gods. I'm going to have to follow through to atone for my sins, but I believe God can resurrect him. Even though he had never experienced resurrection before. Notice verse 4, Genesis 22. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Let me ask you a question. Was Abraham lying to the two men? No. He believed within his heart that he was going to go and he was going to slay his son and he was believing that God somehow was going to perform something that he had never witnessed before, some kind of resurrection, and then they would all go together and they would worship back together. So to the young man, he said, y'all wait here, we will come back to you. So they get to the spot. His son willingly submits. Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. This is in the English standard version. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Let me ask you another question. Did Abraham intend to kill his son? Yes, it certainly seems like that according to the record. Look, what, the, what does the Bible say? It said he reached out his hand to grab the knife. He reached out his hand, took the knife. For what purpose? He knew the purpose. He was going to follow through to slaughter his son. And by the, wor- by the way, the word for slaughter there is the same word that's used in other parts of the Bible when referencing animal sacrifice in the sanctuary services. So he was going to prepare him like an animal sacrifice. He was going to kill him. He was going to slaughter him. 
Again, let's review these two points. So first, God tests you to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. And second, God tests you because he wants to reveal something new to you about himself. The question is, what is it that God could have possibly been wanting, possibly been needing to reveal to Abraham? Notice verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Did you catch the thing that Abraham learned newly about God? I mean, look, here's Abraham. The final test was here. It was seemingly cumulative in nature. God saved the hardest one for last. He says, Abraham, if you indeed are going to be the father of the faithful, if you're going to be the father of many nations, I'm going to need you to internalize this into the deepest recesses of your heart, that this is how salvation actually works. And let me contrast pagan salvation with you and gospel salvation. Here now is pagan salvation. I work my way up to God by providing my most precious gift to appease the gods. It's pagan salvation. That's what he knew. By the way, I want to jump out on a limb and say to you that I think many of us are well familiar with this as well. Isn't that the truth? Because, oh, I know how it is. Sometimes we, we get, we say, God, We might not love God or even want a relationship with him, but we're like, no matter what happens, I'm coming to church. Right? You've got hate in your heart for whatever reason. Maybe you're even living in sin in some way, but you're saying, no, but but I'm still going to do this thing. I'm going to work my way up to heaven. I'm going to follow through with the religious aspects. Friends, Let's be clear, that's literally the definition for pagan salvation. I work my way up to God by providing my most precious gift to appease the gods. This was Abraham's context. This is what he knew. And God said, look, this is what I really need you to internalize right now. Here's gospel salvation, though. And gospel salvation, good news salvation. Jesus comes down from heaven And provides himself, heaven's most precious gift to save humanity. I got to read that again. In gospel salvation, Jesus comes down from heaven and provides himself, heaven's most precious gift to save humanity. How many say amen? God was trying to teach Abraham, if you will just walk with me and trust with me, I will provide for every aspect of your life. 
If you will just walk and trust with me, I will teach you. And I have taught you today. That's what he learned that day. That God gave his gift. It's not about a pagan way of salvation. It's about a gospel way of salvation. And by the way, do you think that Abraham learned it? Yes. Because after all, what did he name it? He named that mountain forevermore. It was known as the mountain where God provides. And by the way, you remember the, that scripture where he was going up the mountain with his son Isaac. And Isaac says, uh, Father, I noticed that we've got the wood and everything else seems to be prepared. But Father, where is the sacrifice? And what did he say? Is the gospel unknowingly through the Holy Spirit being preached through the mouth of Abraham. He said, God will provide himself. He said, Abraham, I need you to understand that I am not like the other gods. I need you to understand that it's not about you bringing the thing that you think is best. By the way, that was the sin of Cain, wasn't it? Cain and Abel, remember that story? Cain brought the best of the work of his hands. He brought these fruits and vegetables, but God was trying to, it's the same gospel, the eternal gospel from the very beginning. God had been trying to teach humanity that God, instead of me bringing my best, God gives his best. Praise be to God. By the way, do you know what the last recorded words of Abraham are? I'm telling you, when I discovered these words, I can't really dance. But I started dancing and just, uh, you know, just in my little study, uh, I was standing up and I was just worshiping. I said, God, this is wild. Check this out. Y'all remember Genesis chapter 17, God calls Abraham. We talked about this last week and he said, Abram, walk before me and be blameless. You remember that? If you were with us last week, God commanded, he said, walk before me and be blameless. Okay. So you know what the last recorded words of Abraham are? They're recorded and quoted by his senior servant, Eleazar. The Bible says in Genesis 24, verse 40, Abraham speaking, one of the last recorded words of Abraham, he says, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. It's like Abraham was saying, God, I know that I've messed up more times than I can count. God, I know that I've lied a lot in my life. God, I know that I haven't been faithful. I've faltered so many different times. I haven't believed in the promise that you've given me. God, I have messed up so many times and I have not been walking with you. But praise be to God, something happened on that mountain. He said, God, as I see how you have provided yourself. God, I'm beginning to learn to walk with you. And he tells his senior servant, Eleazar, let it be known as a testimony to all people. He says that the Lord before whom I walk 
Abraham had learned to walk with the God that provides himself. Let me ask you a question and we'll close. I wonder if there's anybody here today, for those watching online, if there's anybody who's going through some stuff in your life. I wonder if there's anybody who's going through some kind of difficulty or some challenge, perhaps some longer than expected delay in your life, and it's causing you some turmoil. Look, I just have to confess, I need to be honest with you, that I don't know why God has allowed that in your life. But what I can tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God, is that for so many people, so often... Number one, God tests you to prepare you so that your character can be ready for your calling. To Abraham, he said, look, there's, there's some things that I need you to learn. So I have to allow these certain delays to come into your life. I've got to teach you this way, Abraham. And to some of you, God is saying that other... T- Reminding you of that other test that sometimes for some people, God tests you because he longs to reveal to you something new about himself. So if that's you today, if you're going through something in your life, if you're going through some fire in your life, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Here's what I've done as I've experienced challenges and fires and delays in my life. You know what I've done? You throw yourself into the arms of Jesus harder than ever before. You lean into the one that provided everything, that provided heaven's most precious gift for you. You do that in the midst of the fire. You do that in the midst of the turmoil. You do that in the midst of the delay and never give up. I want to invite you to take a next step today. You know, every single week at Pioneer, we we challenge everyone, doesn't matter if you're a first-time guest or a regular tender or a long-time member, to take some kind of next step in your walk with God. So I simply want to ask you today, what's the next step that God is calling you to make today? I invite you to pull out your phones for those watching online. Text the word TEST2. No spaces in between and don't put the quotation marks. Just TEST2 to the number that we often use. 269-281-2345. And you're going to see a form come to your phone. Click on it. And you're going to see these different options in front of you. And I want to invite you to walk through these options. Let's look at the first next step. So maybe some of you tonight really need to respond and confess that this is you. Maybe there's some of you here today that are saying, you know what? I'm going through so much right now that I'm struggling with my view of God and want prayer. If that's you today, I want you to check that off and we will be praying for you. I want to pray for you. And I'm just wondering, by the way, I wonder if there's anybody here right now that just wants to confess. Say, you know what, that's kind of me right now. I'm kind of struggling with my view of God right now. There's some things that are going on in my life right now and I need prayer. Yeah, God bless you. Number two, 
Maybe your next step today is to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf. The one that gave everything for you. If, if you want to reaffirm and accept that Jesus sacrificed on your behalf today, just check that off. Or maybe your next step today is you need to say, I want to give myself wholly to God through baptism. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about presenting our bodies in lieu of the sacrifice of Jesus, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And if you've never been baptized before, I simply want to ask you, what is it that you're waiting for? Or, you know, maybe you need to be rebaptized for whatever reason. But look, we will connect with you. We'll prepare you for that baptism. And we'll prepare you for that day in which all of heaven, believe you me, according to Luke chapter 15, all of heaven will celebrate. So God bless you as you're making some of those decisions right now. Let's just bow our heads as we pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for every single person that made some kind of decision today. And Lord, I want to pray though in a special way for those that right now are in the midst of some kind of difficult challenge, for those that are in the midst of some kind of fire. Oh God, I just pray, I said this last week, Lord, but I need to pray it again. I pray that it would be unto them as it was for the three Hebrews in the book of Daniel. I pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes of faith and that they would be able to see that Jesus himself is there with them. So please, Father, for all those that made some kind of decision, draw close to every person, to all those gathered locally here in Barron Springs and the hundreds of different people watching online, listening on the radio, be with them. And help them to follow through with the decisions that they made. So now, Father, we just all, all of us, we just place our lives once again into your hands. And we thank you for, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.